Thank you for joining us. This is How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, you really never watched Being John Malkovich? Or you seriously haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon? Or how um, have you not seen Aliens? Welcome back to How Have You Not Seen. Uh, I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your other co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a movie podcast where every week one of us brings one of our favorite movies we haven't seen. We talk about it. And then we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. Oh, space. No one can hear you scream. No one can hear you. Um, no, no one, one can, can hear your podcast. No one can hear your podcast in space. There's no service up there. They don't have they don't have 5G in space. Uh, and this week we are joined by a very special guest. Um, Madison, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to to our listeners? Yes, I'm Madison Tate. And I'm here because I have not seen Aliens. That is that is correct. So, um, as listeners of the show know, I, Carson is a fan of the Alien films himself. Yes, he yes, likes them very much. I am a a huge super fan of um, of the Alien films, and so we are doing a little series on um, on Alien on the Alien, which is a word that was made up in a boardroom um, many years ago. But we are covering those over on Patreon. And as we were gearing up to do the series, Madison, you posted something on Twitter about how uh, you had just watched, I think, Alien for the first time mm -hmm. and you really liked it. And I just like slid into your DMs and I was like, have you not seen Aliens yet? And you were like, no. And I was like, great. If you haven't and you want to not watch it for a little while longer, would you want to come on my podcast and talk about it? So we're super stoked to have you today. Um, that having been said, Madison, how have you not seen Aliens? <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy because I feel like that is a genre of movie I should have seen growing up and somehow didn't, um, especially like time period wise. You know, my, my parents were always watching a lot of movies from, you know, their youth mm -hmm. and somehow Alien slipped through the slipped through the cracks and so I watched it like last year towards the end of last year and then this year um and that's you know when you slid into my dms and said hey want to watch aliens so here I am I don't know how it's gone this long but I'm I'm trying to you know make up for the gap in my knowledge awesome that's very that's that's great um and we're super stoked to have you today um just one quick follow-up question um what do you know about aliens? I mean, like you said, like, you know, um, it's a film you probably, you feel like you probably should have seen. It's kind of a big one. Um, and it feels like something like you're, you know, it, it's one of those films that's kind of like in the cultural knowledge about a bunch of stuff. So like, yeah. what do you know about, about this film going into it? So not jack shit, aside from we get the, re uh, the return of Ellen Ripley. 
played by the lovely Sigourney Weaver. Um, mm. Love her. So that's about it. And I knew a lot more about alien culturally. You know, that's always kind of in the periphery. It is referenced in a lot of things. So even without having watched that, I felt like I know what this movie is about. And but I don't really know much of anything about any of the other sequels. OK, very, very cool. Um, total yeah, blank. I'm sorry. What, what did oh, you say? Total blank slate. Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, not to give too, too much away, but the film is called Aliens mm-hmm. as opposed to the first one, Aliens. So you could probably make a slight guess as to why that is. But yeah, it's um, I mean, a, a pretty notable thing about this film is that it 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 is such a departure from the original in so many ways. So I'm really interested for you. I I won't give any more away than that, but I'm really interested for you having seen the first one and being a total blank slate on this one. Mm-hmm. Kind of how you feel about that because mm-hmm. I have had many conversations with many people over my life where they're like, I love the first movie. Why is the second one like that? And I'm just like, yeah, like it's different, but it's, I, I, I think that they're all great. So I'm excited. Total blank slate. I wonder if you'll have that reaction or not. Yeah. I mean, I really, really did enjoy the first one. So I'm excited to, I mean, I I figured, you know, going off of the title, like, oh, they're reproducing They're We're getting more aliens. Okay. Great, great, great. Um, Mm -hmm. But that being said, not, not a single other clue about this movie. Excellent. Well, oh, yeah. uh, if that is all you know about Aliens, um, each week before we take our break and we uh, go and watch the movie, we play a little bit of a game, um, right. just kind of like get the get the get the film podcast juices flow and get our brains in thinking mode. So, Carson, do you have a little game for us this week? Yes, I do. Uh, we're going to be playing one of our favorite games uh, called Rotten Tomatoes. The Price Is Right. Um, Madison, are you familiar? with the TV show, The Price is Right at all? Uh, yes. Y- yeah, I, I feel like I have a vague knowledge of yeah. that. Yeah, P- particularly, do you remember the, the mountain climber bits? Yeah, okay. I, yeah. Yes. The whole, so essentially we're gonna be doing, uh, both to explain this to you and to our audience if we have not ever uh, heard us play this game before. Uh, I have chosen three movies. Uh, one of them is the movie that we're watching right now. We're gonna go through them and all of us are going to guess what their uh, critics consensus score on Rotten Tomatoes is. And then when we come back, we're gonna reveal the scores and the person who got closest without going over uh, is gonna win and then best two or three. That's Wow, that's actually a really good game. Caroline, didn't you invent this game in high school? I won't say that I invented this game in high school, but yes, this is the thing that I spent a lot of time thinking about in high school with my friends. We would be like, it it literally started as exactly like how it sounds as we were just like, like, what do you think this film is on Rotten Like Somebody just asked that once and we like all debated it. And then we were going to like, okay, we're going to look it up. But, and then we decided for whatever reason, like, are we doing this prices right rules or not? Is it close without going over? And we did it once for like one movie and something clicked in our brains and we're like, that's fun. And then we literally sat there for like three hours, just like naming movies and like trying to debate ourselves into what we thought the tomato meter score was for like 
several hours. I was very cool in high school and I got invited to all the best parties. No, um, this sounds very similar to my high school experience. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I started thinking like, oh yeah, I would a hundred percent come up with this game in high school. This is something me and my friends would play. And I'm like, oh yeah, because you're a fucking nerd. That's why. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's why you were all, all <laughs> super very cool theater kids who will, would later go on to do podcasts in their twenties. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seen some that. similar cloth. All yeah. right. Well, Madison, are you ready? Yeah, yeah. All right. You are the guest, so you get to guess first. Uh, we're going to start with the movie we're talking about today, Aliens. All right. So I'm going to guess, I'm going to give it like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't okay. remember exactly their metrics, so I could, yeah. I'm going to give it that, though. Yeah. Yeah, a thing that, a thing that always is interesting to think about with this game is, and it's something we talk about a lot, is with Rotten Tomatoes, it's like, it's like a yes or no metric, basically. It's like we pulled however many critics and they either, like, it's a binary, like, rotten fresh thing. Yeah. So it's it's always really interesting to be like, okay, because like, if, uh, if 100% of people said it was a six out of 10, then it's 100%. And if 50% of people said it was a 10 and 50% of people said it was a five, then it's a 50, even though that average is higher. So it's, it's the whole thing. Um, it's, it's a very arbitrary, very yeah. silly little, little website. Carson, I'm going to let you guess next though, because I will get to that in a minute. Okay. I mean, we, uh, guess first. I will let you know. I mean, I'll reveal, I'll reveal my, my secret game. I have chosen four movies because I know that both of us know the answer to the first one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go for it. All right, I'm going to say 99%. Okay. Um, so here's the deal. Um, is like years ago, <laughs> I got into this. I got into this with a friend who, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've had many people in my life be like, second one is stupid. And I'm like, no, the second one rules super hard. And they're like, no, the second one's dumb. And I'm like, no, the second one's great. And uh, a, a, fact that I pulled out, and this is like a decade old statistic, so it's probably changed. But a statistic that I did pull like 10 years ago is I was like, well, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, because I was, you know, 10 years ago, well, uh, 10 years ago, I was 19. But, um, you know, when I was like 16, I guess, uh, and I thought I was cool and was on the internet and thought Rotten Tomatoes was a thing that I valued for some reason. I was like, well, instead of just something to use to play a game. Yeah, I was like, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, Aliens is a 100%. I don't know if it's come down from there. Carson, you said... I went under just to be safe. You know what? I'm going to go a cool 100. (laughs) I'm going to go a cool one. Because years ago, this was a 100. It has probably changed because you can only go down from there. Yeah. Look, here's here's the thing. It's probably come down since then. But like, like 10 to 12 years ago... This was a this was a 100 on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm gonna lay down a cool 100. Despite the fact that I set you up, both of us up really, uh, for a bit of cheating, I think it was very important that we include that movie in Rotten Tomatoes prices, right? Because I think that is an integral part of this podcast history. That yeah. is a conversation that we had very early on in our friendship, which led, I think, directly to the inception of this podcast. Yes. Yes. All right. Next movie, we're going to be doing, of course, the sequel to James Cameron's Aliens, uh, Cowboys and Aliens. 
God. It's Madison, what do you think? I am going to give that, ooh. So I, that's also one that I have not seen. Um, I'm going to give that like a 52% on- 52, Rock. pretty strong. Caroline, what do you think? That's a, oh God, this is a really good one for this game. Here's the thing. I also have not seen Cowboys and Aliens. Exactly. It's a perfect movie for this game. I have not seen Cowboys and Aliens. Um, if I went back and watched it and Daniel Craig was doing Benoit Blanc voice for it, I, I would probably give it an extra half star, but I have a feeling that he's not. I have a feeling he's in it. Um, I, I, so I was like, oh, I know Daniel Craig is in it. And then mm-hmm. I immediately started just imagining it in the Benoit Blanc voice. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's just kind of how Daniel Craig talks, right? How you're yeah. saying is that I've got this piece of alien technology <laughs> on my hand. <laughs> it makes no damn sense. Confused. Oh, yeah, because the, the whole thing with that movie is what he has like a weird alien watch thing. Like, isn't it's, that a whole thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like, uh, I, you know, it's it's, it's, it's I was going to it's like a greatest American hero thing. It's like he falls into a hole and gets an alien doodah on him. And then, he you know, has to use the aliens to fight the aliens. Oh, what an incredible reference you just made, Carson. <laughs> it's like a greatest American hero thing. A thing, a, a cultural touchstone with which everyone people, is People know the greatest American hero. I don't know what you're talking about, Caroline. I think people know in, the theme song. In today's age of hypersaturation of superhero content, everyone knows the greatest American hero. Anyway, for Cowboys and Aliens, I'm yeah. going to say, oh God, uh, like... I was gonna say, I was gonna say thirty-seven. Mm. I feel like this is one of those movies that everybody was like, "Oh, like they're gonna do like like it's that comic, and they're gonna do it kind of like fun and cheeky and silly." And then it wasn't, and it, I remember this one being pretty extremely bland, and people being like, "It's not enough like the comic to be a good adaptation of the comic, but it's not like a." It's also not like a Men in Black kind of thing where it's yeah. like they use the co- they use the genre of the comic and then have a lot of fun with it. And it's just kind of like it's just kind of like they made a a really nothing movie, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to say 37 percent. I've never seen Cowboys and Aliens. I've seen Wild Wild West. That movie's bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I feel like people were I'm going to I'm going to go up both of y'all a little bit. I'm going to say 60 I bet you it's like barely fresh. All right. I think of course. The the next movie in the trilogy, uh, Monsters versus Aliens. Is that like the 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 animated like the CG animated film with like Seth Rogen? I think he's one of the guys in it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't he like the little blob? The little blue. Yeah, he's the blob. He's the blob. Wait. Oh, I can't look it up because then I'll see the score. But ah, shit. Here, I'll go to IMDb. There's the blob. There's the blonde lady. There's the the kind of uh, creature from the Black Lagoon looking guy. Yeah. There's the dude who looks like a bug, but he's got like a like a doctor jacket. Madison, do you remember Monsters versus Aliens? No. And I'm like having this moment where I was like, I swear to God, Mm -hmm. I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Now we're three for three on movies that I have not seen. So sorry. Um, And you're saying Monsters versus Aliens. And I feel like... I don't know. My brain is like trying to manufacture a memory. <laughs> I've never heard of this. 
And so I don't know if I've heard of it or not. I'm like, maybe I saw an ad for it like one time. Oh, I'm just, I, I, have, I have a weird story about this movie. Monsters versus Aliens, of course. A tale as old as time. It is a, a very classical story structure, Monsters versus Aliens. It's about yeah, it's a woman like- who on her wedding day gets zapped by an alien ray that turns her into a giant and also turns her hair white. Of course, this leads to the government putting her into a secret bunker full of giant monsters. Then all the yeah. monsters and this woman have to fight the alien menace. It's a classical tale. Uh, I remember watching the trailers for this movie and then the movie because they were ubiquitous. This movie was getting, when I was a kid watching, you know, Nickelodeon trailers everywhere. And in those trailers, they never show like the normal sized people. It's all very focused on like the, you know, Seth Rogen being a giant blob monster and be like, (laughs) you know, and everybody laughs because it's funny. And uh, the sense of scale in that animated movie is like so fucked that when I watched it, I didn't realize that the monsters were giant. And it's like really, it it messed with my young brain. It was really weird. I still think about how the scale of the monsters in this movie, like just completely goofed my my sense, my like internal sense of scale. Yeah. I I have two quick things to say to that, which is one, Madison, do not feel bad for not having seen this one. I haven't seen this one either. This is one of those ones where it's like, I remember when this film was coming out and I was like, maybe, maybe slightly too old for the, for the, for the demographic, but like I was a kid mm-hmm. and like, this is one of the ones that I remember, like they were putting out trailers for it. And I remember being like, oh, that looks like bad. Not no. even like, not even like, oh, that doesn't look like as good as I, I like the trailers were coming out and I was like, oh, like that, that looks not like a film I think that I would want to see. And Carson, to your point, I've only ever seen the trailers. I knew that she was giant because she's like the giant woman or whatever. Like mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. I did not know any of the other monsters were. And I've only seen the trailer and like promo materials, but I had no idea until the second that they were also big. Yeah. So it's so a really weird thing about that. that movie that I think about a lot. Well, you remember like the font, like on the posters mm-hmm. and whatnot. Feel like I can't actually. Ha- I have zero concept of what this movie is. So, um, yeah, obviously, probably a high-ranking movie. Um, I don't know. I because I went really low on the last one. I feel like this is one that it's gonna make me mad how much, how high it is. Whatever the score is, I'm gonna give it like a sixty-five. I feel like it's probably going to be higher, but I, I don't know. Caroline, what do you think? Oh, God, I have a truly no idea. Because honestly, like like I said, I saw the promo material to this. And I was like, that looks like actually bad. And, and I've never thought about it again. So like in my brain, this movie is terrible. But then Madison, you just said like, you know, I'm going to give it like a 60 or whatever. And like, maybe it's even higher than that. I'm like, oh shit, maybe it is higher. Like I have, I have truly have no idea. Um, I'm going to go low again though. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say 48% because I feel like, no, 47, oh my 47%. God. And cause I feel like there's no way this film is like, a, like atrociously egregiously like, that terrible because I do think it is a 
either a DreamWorks or I think it's a DreamWorks. It's it's a DreamWorks. It's like post Shrek pre Illumination. Yeah, that so weird kind of era. I feel like it technically is like it's a kid's film that checks the boxes and there's the fart joke. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, so I'm going to guess a 47. For that reason, I'm going to split the difference and say 55. And then Caroline, we already had to ruin my bit, but uh, uh-oh, as we all know, the alien movies are not a trilogy. They're a So we need to do a fourth movie as the tiebreaker. Um, and of course, we're going to be doing the fourth movie in the Alien, Alien Covenant. Oh, uh, full circle. Another movie that I think is really foundational to the formation of this podcast. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, I think we'd already started doing it when that film came out for the first time ever. But yeah. and that was what I think in terms of movies that we saw in theaters together. I think that was the second. I think it was Batman v Superman and then Alien Covenant. I think you're right. Yeah. Why did we only see movies we didn't like? We didn't know we were going to like them. I mean, that's true. That's true. How are, how are we to know? Before remember remember early 2016 when the world was still okay and we thought that Batman v Superman might be good? And we went to see it on opening yeah. day. Tickets we bought in advance. Yes. Yeah, oh, I God. remember that. Salad days. Uh, so Madison, what do you think? Alien Covenant. I also haven't seen this. I do remember like seeing trailers and whatnot mm. for this. Um, it's still directed by Ridley Scott, right? Yes. Okay. So Scott did the first one and then he has done the most recent two. The most he did Prometheus and Caroline, what are you talking about? Prometheus isn't an alien movie. Shut the curse and shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, have not seen it. I'm just gonna take a dab in the dark here. I know you guys are saying that you didn't like it. That's kind of what I'm picking up on. Yes, but but that's not a don't no, that yeah. I won't I won't poison I won't poison the water. I won't make it too confusing. I was going to say because I feel like there are a lot of things that like Rotten Tomatoes is like this is fresh and I'm like actually it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's interesting that you say that. Um, I'm gonna give it like a seventy two percent. Oh, I think that's really I think that's, that's a really good guess. Darn close to where it's gonna be. Yeah. Cause oh yeah, I don't know. I have revisited this film twice since mm-hmm. it came out in theaters because so many critics I like and respect like this film. Yeah, And same. so many of them are like, it's just a different thing. And like, as somebody who for aliens, like the alien mm-hmm. to aliens jump, I'm like, it's just a different thing. And that's fine. Like, they're both great movies. They're just different. I try to watch Covenant with that lens it's just like no it's its own thing Ridley Scott wanted to do a different thing and every time it just makes me pull my hair out because I'm like this shouldn't be an alien movie like I understand that it is not Scott being like I want to make another alien like specifically alien film here's what I'm going to do with it it's Scott Mm -hmm. in his older age having his weird philosophical things that he's interested in and being like and I guess I can do that in an in in an alien movie but it just makes me want to tear my hair out I'm like this is an interesting film there does not need to be any ties to your mm-hmm. original film, Alien. And it drives mm-hmm. me insane. It genuinely drives me insane, this film. Um, but it got good reviews. So I think it probably is in the 70s. Um, and Madison, you said 72. 
which I think is, I'm not going to do the classic Price is Right because you are you are our guest. So I'm not going to do the classic Price is Right and say 73 and just be like, unless you get a ride on the nugget, I win. But so I will give it a little bit of a gap, but I'm going to say seven, I'm say 77 for Alien Covenant, a film I do not like very much, but I think it is about that high. I will... I, I hate to do it, but I think it's the only thing to do. I gotta go cool 69, you know? <laughs> yeah, nice. Nice. I mean, you've gotta. I gotta. Uh, all right. Well, when we come back to talk aliens, we will reveal the actual Rotten Tomato scores in those CC won the week. Uh, Madison, ready to go watch aliens? I am so ready for this. Oh, yeah, same. Awesome. Oh, God, this is this is a story day in this podcast. This is one of those films, much like last year when we did Titanic. Yep. I was like, ah, I'd love to do an episode on aliens. Like, I'd love to do an episode on Titanic. But like, you know, anybody who's going to come on a film podcast is going to have seen those. Like those, uh, Jim, also James Cameron movies. So yeah, um, I'm super excited to go watch this movie and to be able to talk about it on the show with you, Madison. So uh, without further ado, let's go watch Aliens. There he is. There he is. I love it so much. I love that line. You kind of can't come back with anything but that. It's, it's kind of got to be that. Oh, so good. I. It's so good every time I hear it. The way his eyes are just bugging out. It's fantastic. Uh, and um, before we move any further, we do have a guest. Madison, you mm-hmm. just watched Aliens for the first time. I did. And we did not even, we have not even discussed it on the call. We did the, we did the, Hey, we're on the call, small talk, you know, Mm -hmm. the, how was, how's your day? How's your weekend going? We have not talked about this movie. Madison, give us your take. Give us your, your, your knee jerk reaction to aliens, plural. So controversial, according to some, um, I think it was maybe even better than the (gasps) first. Oh, thank God. Wow. I was worried there for a Wonderful. moment. I was worried. I was so, I know I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to approach this? How do I, how do I tease them a little with this? Because I, and I very much was going into it like, okay, it doesn't matter what my feelings, I, you know, I'll, I'll feel about it. However I do. Um, I was very, you know, interested because both of you were saying how much you liked it, but you said like a lot of people didn't like it. Um, no, I was thoroughly impressed by it, the whole thing. I was enwrapped the entire time. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's so good to hear. Yeah. So I guess we just, we have great brains. That's all. <laughs> oh yeah. We're just <laughs> of course, elite, of course. elite alien, aliens lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's, that's so good. I, yeah. When you said that you had a controversial opinion, I was going to be like, I was like, okay, she might say, because it is kind of a controversial opinion to think that this is better than the other ones, but we did spend a lot of time um, talking about how some people didn't like it. So I was so afraid that you were going to be like, controversial opinion, this movie's dog shit. But (laughs) even if that was your take, there's mileage there. We could talk, but I'm so glad Mm -hmm. it's not. Um, Before we move, you know, too, too, too much further into the talk about the movie, we do have a little game to come back to. Carson, if you want to 
do. We got to do Rotten Tomatoes Prices Right. We uh, did four movies, partially just so we had a built-in tiebreaker because I was pretty sure that uh, Caroline was going to get the first one right. We, of course, started with the movie that we were doing this week, Aliens. Uh, I said 99%. Caroline said 100 I think the only time that that number has ever been called playing this game on this show. Uh, Madison said 80%. Uh, the actual critic score. Oh, my God. Did it go Ma- down? It did. Madison wins because we double busted. It is 98%. Oh, no. Okay. I am okay. so interested in the two people that said no. Um, or the 2% of critics, rather, that said no. Um, next movie, Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, I said 60%, Caroline said 37 Madison said 52 uh, The actual critics' consensus score is 45%. Again, two of us busted. Caroline, you win. Okay. Because so one, of double bust. One me, one Madison. Okay, let's go. Monsters versus Aliens. I said 55%. Caroline said 47 Madison said 65 Monsters versus Aliens is... a very much more positive than nearly any of us have. So Madison takes the lead with two, I think probably, probably guaranteeing her a win. Yeah. So if, if I win, then we're tied. And if either of you win, then Madison. Yes. Just straight up wins. Okay. Great. I will say I'm actually very upset that that movie ranked as high as it did. Like I'm not happy that I won that. Yeah, that's really, that's, that's very strange. That's very strange, but, huh. huh. Can I, can I, can I read you the, uh, the, the tagline for, well, not the tagline, but like the description for Monsters versus Aliens on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Sure, yes. When a meteor full of space gunk transforms Susan Murphy, Reese Witherspoon, into a giant, the government renames her Ginormica and confines her to a secret compound with other monsters. Ginormica, that was Ginormica. And there's not even, there's not even a, and then it's just, they confine her and oh, no, I'm sure go, that they. It goes on other monsters oh, okay. like bug headed Dr. Cockroach voiced by Hugh Laurie. Uh, <laughs> that's the only example they give. And Hugh then when an Laurie. extraterrestrial robot lands on earth and begins a rampage, General W.R. M- General W.R. Monger. Name is Warmonger. Yeah, no, yeah, I got it, Carson. Thank you. I know, I know. I was saying that for myself. Uh, persuades the president to send the president to send Ginormica and her fellow monsters to battle the machine and save the planet. Oh, interesting. Wow. Interesting, interesting. That's also sucks. starring Seth Rogen, Will Arnett. Kiefer Sutherland is General W. Warmonger. Huh. Yeah. And Paul Rudd plays someone named Derek. Well, Congrats to all of them for the for the for the positive reviews on their on, on their work on their film. Yeah. Wow. Uh, our tiebreaker, Alien Covenant. I said 69%. Nice. Uh, Caroline said 77. Madison said 72. Alien Covenant is whoa. A three-way bust. It is 65. Okay, honestly, I am very happy about that. I feel very vindicated. Yeah. I feel very vindicated by that. I'm glad to have lost because Alien Covenant is even worse than I thought it was. Um, I love that for me. Um, So Madison, congratulations on your win. 
one time one time guest one time winner you're batting a thousand wow i i'm gonna go to vegas with these odds yeah, yeah for real uh that makes you really happy though that that uh covenant is kind of that low because i see nothing but like and i'm on film twitter i'm there yeah. i'm in the yeah. trenches i do the i do the thing i love i love reclaiming i love the reclamation process as much as anybody else on there but I do just see everybody's contrary, like, and people I like and respect's contrary, like actually covenant rules and here's why. And I hate it. So I'm really glad to know that like critics, I, I thought critics would like that film even more than they did. They liked it even less than I would stoop to th- imagine they would. So 35% of them said, nah, thumbs down. Yeah. Should be higher, but I'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so... <sighs> We were talking before we started this call. You know, Car- Caroline was also asking, like, oh, how's your weekend? And, you know, I was like, well, yesterday, pretty good. Because you know what I did What yesterday? I went to work. And then I got home. And I watched Aliens. <laughs> and there are very few activities in this world, I think, that can make me as happy as uh, getting home from a long day of work and watching Aliens. <laughs> Absolutely. So Madison, you said that you, you said that you liked this one a lot, that you liked it maybe even more than the first, which, Hey, I'm, I'm one of the biggest aliens, uh, defenders out there. And, uh, I, I I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Um, but I I'd love to hear a little bit more. What was your experience watching this film? What did you think? Give us, give us, give us your, your overall thoughts and we can dive into this a little more deeply. Okay. So I want you to know, um, I attempted to take notes like throughout and like, you know, a little live stream of my thoughts. And I did not get very far if you can kind of see my my phone um, because I got very distracted just watching the movie. And Excellent. I was like, no, no, can't do this. Um, I have to say, started off on a high note with just Jonesy. Like that was the moment I put this on, my top concern was Jonesy. I need to see this cat. Oh, I love that. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter how this movie goes overall. If I see Jonesy again, I'm happy. But aside from that, I, you know, like you said in the last, when we were recording last time, they were exploring some new grounds with this. And I, I like the expansion of the world building, seeing a little more of like the corporate end and then seeing more of the aliens themselves that all, all fantastic. Um, also, oh, I did say um, I was very, <laughs> have you seen that post, that tweet that was going around or excerpt of an interview with Ridley Scott complaining about how Sigourney Weaver wouldn't pull up her underwear in, more in the first one. And he was like, yeah, so we had to go remove her minge hair, um, like hand remove it in no. the, yeah, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So that is a fun thing that I know about aliens and, and even, or alien, um, even before I'd watched it, I just knew that that was a thing that he complained so much. He was like, yeah, we had to go frame by frame and like hand, like airbrush out her pubic hair, except he called it minge hair, which really just like, Very which British. is even yeah. worse. Yeah with me so anyway I was very happy to see there's like a brief scene where I like caught it again and I was like ah yes the minge hair makes return love to see it (laughs) representation that's I think that that was a very feminist move though 
Absolutely. And in, dare I say, one of the most feminist films ever made. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, I was, I don't know. Um, one of my notes was maybe it's me, but I feel like this movie is a little more gay than the last one. Um, yes. 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 Ooh. yes. You got Ripley with the short hair. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you've got Vasquez. With you've the got guy. Vasquez, who literally is next, so cool. My next note is literally just Vasquez. And like, <laughs> yeah. it ends after that, there are no more notes after that. So, though I will say the weird thing about Vasquez is while she is coded pretty queer, mm-hmm. she does have a weirdly like hetero romantic ending. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. And I was like, oh, you guys, mm-mm. They, I, I was just like, the censors got to you. That's what happened. I, I like it, though, because they have the moment before where they fight. And yeah. she has the like, hey, or she or, or he says, oh, however the it's, interaction it's, hey, goes. Has anybody ever mistake you for a man? Yeah. No, how about you or whatever? How about you? And then they have the second where, you know, he's like, go fuck yourself. And he's like, I, anytime, anywhere. And you're like, oh, that seemed a little bit real. <laughs> Actually, wait, <laughs> is he in love with her? And then they die together. It's very nice. Yes. Uh, but, you know, yeah, um, Jonesy, Jonesy makes an appearance from, from square Hugely one. Important. Hugely important. Hugely important. I mean, mm-hmm. like, literally, I mean, we talked about this um, over on our Patreon where we cover Alien. Um, Patreon.com slash HH Finest Pod for those of you who are curious. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we Great. talk about it over there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, where, like, literally, the first film is what, like, is kind of where Save the Cat comes from. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole fucking, the whole fucking book about like, well, here's how you write a screenplay is named after the fact that in the first film, she saves the cat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you have to, you have to bring Jonesy back in this one. And I love, I love that Jonesy kind of just gets written off, right? Like he gets, he gets onto the big spaceship, he's in the apartment and then she goes, and then we just, we just get to assume that Jonesy just kind of lived on that spaceship for however long. She literally like looks in the eyes and says, honey, you're not going to be in this movie. Like, yeah. no, not this one. Like, like you did so good last time, buddy. You, yeah. you can't come on this one. Like we need to replace you with what's the only thing worse than an alien murdering a, a, a cool cat. Oh, an alien murdering a child. Yes. We need to up the stakes in that way. Now that is where maybe a genuine controversial view of mine comes in. I I'm a big fan of children overall. I would say, though, there were a few moments where Newt was getting a little annoying to me. That's all. And Ooh. I mean, she, she's a child. It, she did not deserve to die or anything like that. Um, mad props for living that long. But there were just a few moments where I was like, girl, be quiet. Like, please, just for a few minutes. So, Yeah, I can see that. I, I feel as if I... <laughs> a weird comparison but almost mm-hmm. in the way that like in the first film there's sort of um there's sort of this this motif of like just the ambient sounds of the spaceship making like ratcheting up the tension to all the way to the point where at the very end when she's like blowing up the spaceship and uh, all the alarms are going off and there's nothing but like there's nothing but sirens and sounds of machinery and steam coming out that's kind of almost the purpose that Newt serves in this <laughs> It's just, it's just being a very, a very uh, 
understandable and a very realistic level of stressful noise to add to the cacophony and to raise the stakes of, oh shit, if this alien gets in here while all this shit's going down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Kirsten, what do you think about Newt? What's kind of- What do I think about Newt? I love Newt. I well, love I mean, what you're I talking Newt about. Too. I love Newt. It's no, great. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm saying from like a, from like a, like a narrative soundscape level, that is a function mm-hmm. that Newt helps. Serve. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I love Newt. I mean, it's very obvious, but I think it is it is really indicative of that thing that James Cameron is really good at, which is that he just, he's so fucking blunt. He's just so fucking blunt. He can't uh-huh. not, like, his, <laughs> like, he can't not ratchet up the tension by being like, and now a child is in the mix and everything is a little bit more tense. But also, it is the reason why this is, probably the James Cameron's best movie because it is also like within that bluntness and like that narrative contrivance to like ratchet up the tension, you have this entire world of like subtlety. And it is, it turns out that nude is the thing that really drives Ripley's growth mm-hmm. because it, it's, it's so obvious, but it's the like Ripley sees this little girl who just like represents this, like the scared little girl that lives inside of her. You know, there are these two people that have gone through exactly the same trauma and like, so therein by the end of the movie, like it is this perfect match of in order for Ripley to, you know, achieve the thing that she needs to do in herself, you know, which is really to repair herself in some way to save herself. She has to externally go and save Newt, you know, to help her get over her own. Uh, I mean, that's, this movie's really about PTSD. It's about, yeah. oh no, something really bad happened. And now like, you and know, now, I can't, now I can't. Now I can't walk out my door without it being my yeah. entire life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's something that I do that I really appreciated. That it wasn't just this kind of contrived thing. I feel like I see in a lot of more action, sci-fi, any type of that um, sequel is that they're like, okay, we have to go fight like the bad guy again. The bad guy is back. And everybody's just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, oh, like this sucks. But like, guess we're going to go fight the bad guy again. Where it's like, you see her have a lot of reticence and outright refusing to do anything at all. Naturally, very understandably, because she went through a horrific, horrific event, lost everything everyone that she loved and then was in hypersleep for 57 years so she can't even come back to a family or any or any other friends everyone she knows is mm-hmm. probably dead yeah. so yeah i i don't know just seeing the turmoil that she was in um the nightmares everything like that um moments of her you know i'm not i'm not a psychiatrist shocking i know um but having moments of these I don't know, really visceral reactions of seeming, you know, for lack of a better word, triggered by watching these things take place. I thought it was so well done and really added a very good level to the storytelling. Yeah. And, and Madison, um, something you said in there, uh, it makes me curious Two quick, one quick question is where did you watch this film? I watched it, um, on my laptop in my bedroom. No, that's okay. Uh, but like on, using, Oh, Amazon yeah. Prime. Okay. Did you get the the theatrical cut or did you by chance get the um get the director's cut slash special edition oh that is a really good question i don't know i can actually look real quick i would i would imagine you got the theatrical cut but i would like you to look into that because it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because you said like you know um you you mentioned like 
you know, she's been in hypersleep and like everybody she knows is probably dead. Did you see the scene about her daughter? No. Okay, cool. Okay. So, so, okay. So the, I love this. I love this because. Yeah. Okay. Now I, well, now I got to go rewatch it again. So. Yeah. It's like, it's like 25 minutes longer and uh, it fucks. Oh, yeah. um, it rules. Um, so, so I love this. This is actually like really great because I think what you're talking about is a testament to like the way that this film is directed and the way that Sigourney, um, the way that Sigourney does like performs this is because you were kind of talking about like, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, she, she does like feel like she does have this like triggered, um, um, you know, she does have this vibe of like, you know, of that PTSD and it does come across that she's very triggered and, and all of this stuff has gone to shit. And like you mentioned, like it's probable Mm -hmm. that everyone she knows is dead. And that's actually in the director's cut of this film. Like, I wouldn't say a whole subplot because it's dealt with pretty early on, but there is a whole bit of backstory about how she had a daughter. And when she left, the daughter was 11. And then by the time she wakes up, the daughter lived to be 60, 57 years. So she was 66 or 67. And then she passed away a year or two prior. And so that's like a whole subplot that like you didn't even see with your eyes, but like you felt just from like the performance and, and and the way that the film goes. So like, I, th- I think that's awesome. Well, and yeah, now I'm like a little disappointed. I didn't watch that cut, but I will go. Yeah, I guess I probably, I, we probably should have said something. Um, I just, I own the film and I own the director's cut. So it's like literally the only one that I, I, I kind of can watch. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, for the most part, it's like, it's, there's a little bit more stuff on the colony before they get there. And then there's just extended sequences of aliens getting their faces blown off with giant machine guns, which like, hey, I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to hear of that. But look, I won't turn my nose up at that anytime. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, and I mean, like uh, another thing, too, in terms of the performance is um, so Courtney Weaver was nominated for Best Actress at the Academy Awards for this performance. Yeah. As she should be. As she should as, be. As she should be. I'm not I'm not I just I, as she should be. As, I'm just surprised that it. I'm still even though it happened before I was born, I'm still surprised <laughs> that it happened. Um, do you know who she lost to? No, I will look question. it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that was a solid performance. And I mean, I'm happy that she did get a, nod, a little nod from the Academy on that one, but I am curious who beat her. All right, the other nominations were Marley Matlin for Children of a Lesser God, Jane Fonda for The Morning After, Sissy Spacek for Crimes the Heart, um, and Kathleen Turner for Peggy Sue Got Married. Uh, the winner, I don't Marley know. Marley Matlin. Was Marley Matlin? Yeah. I'm guessing it's Marley Matlin. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. Marley Matlin for Children of a yeah. Lesser God, which like, you know what? Fine, fair enough. That's fine. Fair I enough. was actually not playing in college, so. Oh, <laughs> There's my yes. degrees of separation from Sigourney <laughs> Uh Madison was in Children of a Lesser God. Laura Dern was. With Laura Dern. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, excellent. Yeah, Madison, this film does kind of take a pretty huge departure from the first one, at least in terms of like structure and tone. How did you, how do you feel about that? Like, how did like what was kind of your did you feel it was as dissonant as people say it is or not really um maybe it's because I watched Alien like a year ago um 
but I didn't feel like it was a, like a jarring departure by any means. Um, it felt more, I don't know, mature if that, if that at all makes any sense, but, um, I enjoyed seeing more development of the world around them, um, more world building and especially seeing kind of elements that go into, you don't really get much of a sense of like totally what their jobs are or anything in the first one. You're like, you kind of do. Um, but then seeing this whole, she is on a ship working for a corporation and she's talking to Burke and Burke has all of these. I, I felt like Burke gave me a really good insight into how that world operates. And even when they had the meeting where they were kind of grilling her on what happened, but being extremely skeptical, kind of a board of executives. I really enjoyed things like that because um, I don't know, maybe it just kind of appeals to, you know, my political leanings and everything like that of seeing like, oh yeah, you just watched this corporation um, now jeopardizing a bunch of other people essentially, or having their priorities very skewed from what an on the ground person, everyday person like Ripley's priorities are. So yeah. I really liked, I, I really like things like that. I felt like it added um, a whole new texture to it. It didn't really feel jarring or out of the blue for me. Yeah. Carson, are you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, given that we, we alluded to this, but we recorded the Patreon episode on Alien like two mm -hmm. days ago. So I watched these movies, boom, boom. And uh, mm -hmm. God, I just, they are two very different films, but goddamn, if, if I think the choice made to make, such a different movie is an absolutely the best choice to sequelize alien yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah no yeah. absolutely um because i mean it is kind of one of those things where like i feel like alien is such a good like succinct like mm -hmm. brutal metaphor for like like what does like if you know on a if we're if we're taking that this is all a metaphor for capitalism right like, mm -hmm. what does that do to you as an individual who knows, like, six other people who, like, work this, like, boots on the ground? Like, what does it feel like mm -hmm. almost, you know, like, metaphorically to, like, be in the system? And it's that. It's getting mm -hmm. just, like, eviscerated, like, constantly being gaslit, being, like, all of this fun stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. Aliens does kind of pull the camera out and it's, like it almost goes from that like here's the experience of just being like labor like a laborer mm -hmm. to like more of like a more of like an observational like big picture kind of macro level like this is what capitalism yeah. does to the world and guess what mm -hmm. everybody's going to get eviscerated by the aliens no matter what but in yeah. some ways too i think a little bit more personal right because the first movie i, I think of as being like really thematic and really sociological mm -hmm. And Aliens, like, as I was kind of talking about earlier, is, like, way more psychological. It's way more about the journey that we, we talked about it the other night, Caroline, like, just how interesting the structure of Alien being this ensemble that gets, it's less about how it's a movie about Ripley and more about that it's a movie about a group of people who get whittled down until it just so happens that one of them is left. Yes. Mm -hmm. But then by necessity, because there is only one left, if you want to continue that story the next movie has to be a reflection of that individual person rather than something that is yeah. sociological. It's like aliens is what it feels like going to work after you've read the communist manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. No, that's, that's the perfect way of describing it. And I think that in my mind, if they just tried to 
redo Alien, the exact same kind of style, feel to it, I think that that would have fallen really flat. And it would have just felt like, okay, you're like trying to beat a dead horse here. Nothing, yeah. nothing really new would have been brought to the table, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Cause I mean, it is that first movie. I know this is a film about aliens, but that first one is just so fucking good. So, like, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, good. It's very like exactly what it needs to be. So yes, it. I, I personally think it is uh, extremely important to um, like the success of this film that it is kind of like, in some ways, a departure. I think it's mm-hmm. less of a departure than people like like to say that it is, but mm-hmm. still. Um, and one thing too that I do love about this film, and it's a point I like to make, is that um, aliens is not James Cameron being like, I'm going to make this incredibly smart, incredibly well-observed, extremely like nuanced film about capitalism. To me, Aliens is the film that's like, capitalism is fucking stupid. And Mm -hmm. I am going to make, I am going to make the, uh, it's as, it's only as smart as an argument against capitalism has to be. Right? Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is extremely dumb, it is extremely loud and it is extremely in your face because like, that's actually all that's really warranted in this in this uh in this scenario right I feel like it didn't like and that's one of those things I always am kind of wondering I'm like am I just taking my little like you know communist killed brain and like I'm projecting all of these ideas onto any media that I watch or is this actually there but I I really like how you put that because I do think sometimes people have this idea that it's like oh well um if media if any piece of media is going to be critiquing capitalism it needs to be really cerebral and needs to be really heady and um you know theory laden which you know there's a place for that that's of course yeah yeah but I don't know there's just something about kind of the bluntness and the brashness that I really agree that I really liked because like these are just you know your boots on the ground people and how would kind of a boots on the ground person react to the bullshit and the terrible things that they have just been put through that they just watched all of their colleagues um, either were killed or you know are about to be killed. Yeah. So yeah, how would somebody like that who, you know, isn't necessarily like up their own ass with theory, how would they react? How would they feel this? So Right. And it's just kind of that thing where it's just like, look, everybody's getting thrown into this meat grinder. So the only thing you can really do is shoot it in the face. Like, like, you know, like the system is personified by like the xenomorphs. Like they're coming for you. There's hundreds of them. They're going to overpower you. So shoot as many of them in the face as you can. And that's all you have to do. Like, like it- Wrap a grenade to a gun and then strap that gun to a flamethrower and go into it. Exactly, exactly. I I, kind of want to highlight something I was thinking about because we had- done the first half of this podcast and we'd had the previous conversation about alien. And so I was, I was thinking about the differences between the two movies. And it, it's another thing also that Cameron does really well is he's very good at plot points that are little reminders. He's very good at, you know, making things cyclical and bringing things back. It's why like Avatar way of water is kind of exactly the same movie as Avatar again. I mean, all of his movies are kind of exactly the same movie in a lot of ways. Um, But like, I was really noticing the number of things that Cameron continues from the last movie. And then it feels like he, weirdly enough, the metaphor in my mind is like, okay, well, the first movie is Alien and this movie is Aliens 
plural. There's a lot of stuff that he takes in the first movie and he, it kind of feels like he just makes it plural. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about the whole like, oh, they're hunting after them with flamethrowers. Okay, well now what if that's, and there's that one scene with the flamethrower really in the first alien. Okay, now what if that is like a, has to be a major part of their strategy because they have the whole, you know, thing with the, well, it's basically a fusion reactor. You can't shoot it. So they all have mm-hmm. to use flamethrowers. And that's a consistent thing. You have the, maybe the best scene in the first movie where um captain gets taken out and they're watching the little dot on the motion tractor tracker. And it's getting very tense, very tense. And the one alien comes, what if they all have motion trackers and there is a consistent, a consistent thread of, well, the aliens, they start moving and then you see them on the motion trackers coming at you. Like, and it's, I kind of made a joke about it when we did our episode on Alien for Patreon. Go check that out on Patreon. Um, but I, I really like that the end of Alien, she kills the one alien. Mm-hmm. Well, she thinks she kills the one alien. She says, you know, like, I, I, I got you, you son of a bitch. And then at the end of this movie, she goes to get the alien queen and says, get away from her, you bitch, implying that she is the mother of that son of a bitch. And like, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie that's, that's really deft and really fun. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I have to, just one thing you mentioned, the motion mm-hmm. tracker bit mm. that they did in this one where she's like, that's in the room and just kind of the slow realization. I That was an extremely tense moment uh, for me to watch. And I absolutely loved how that was done when they realized and are kind of all like looking up that that's where the aliens are. Yeah. Well done. Where Great the hell job. is this thing? Where the hell is it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's very similar, again, generically, and the way it's shot is totally different, as many things this movie are. But in terms of its, like, function in the movie, it's the same as the scene in the first one. hmm yeah. You know, ratcheting up that tension, it's cool. Um, okay, can we talk about the characters in this movie? Because this movie yeah. has a Hulk, big-time big alien thing, big-time James Cameron thing. This movie's really got a crew. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we love a crew. Yeah, a crew of people who have a job to do. Yeah, so we've we've hit a little bit on the most important character in this film, Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Is there anything yes. more we, we need to talk Jonesy before we move on to, I guess, I don't know, who's like the next lead of the film? I guess probably, probably Newt, Ripley. probably Newt. <laughs> then the alien queen. Uh, that one yeah. lady that's trapped in the cocoon. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely highlight of the film. Very gross. Um, so yeah, Ellen Ripley's great. Um, I just, I'm just going to go down the Wikipedia. We got to talk about them all. Yeah, let's go uh, for it. Uh, Michael Bain as uh, Corporal Dwayne Hicks. Oh, interesting. Uh, What an interesting, is it, is this last name or is this alphabetically by last name? This is, I think by, no, this is by billing because it's Sigourney Weaver, Carrie Henn as Newt. And I think this is the way that they were billed. Okay. So you just want to talk about the Marines then? I want to talk about all of them. Okay, then why didn't we start with Sigourney Weaver? Well, I figured we could kind of end with Sigourney Weaver. Okay, fair enough. All right, see? <laughs> okay. But no, yeah. The secondary characters yeah. then come back to her. Um, Hicks is great. His superpower is that he hashtag believes women. I yeah. say that sarcastically, but it's 100% true. Like, Yeah. No, I actually was very like, wow. I, the whole, I mean, we'll talk about more about Burke later but oh well we um, talked about that slimy oh, motherfucker talk about that man um but yeah when there's all this push and pull and when Hicks is very clearly like absolutely not I'm going with what Ripley says fuck everybody else she knows what's going on I was like 
we love a male feminist. Thank you, Kim. Truly, truly do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think, sorry, go on. No, no, you go ahead. Okay, I, I, I think about the scene where Ripley, just a little bit in the scene where Ripley turns to Hicks and is like, you're the corporal, you know, the commander's dead. Mm-hmm. This is a military outfit. You're next in line. You're the, you're the leader here now. Mm-hmm. And he just said, and I don't remember exactly what the line is, but he says something like, he's just like, ah, oh, son of a bitch I am. And you like the, the bit of glint in his eyes where like he, he figures out the enormity of that of like, oh shit, not only did I barely make it out of the, you know, me and my friends barely make it out of that alien hellhole, but mm-hmm. like now it's kind of my responsibility to get us the rest of the way. Oh, it's great. Just a little, and it's just in his eyes. It's just this little thing that changes in his eyes that I love so much. Can I just say real quick, I just pulled up the, um, the Xenopedia Page <laughs> for uh, all of the alien franchise characters. And it offers a physical description of Hicks. And he is five foot 11 and three quarters. Uh, they couldn't, like, this is a fictional character. And I'm like, wow, they got really specific with this. That's amazing. I can't uh, believe I'm taller than Hicks. That's so cool. I can't believe they so absolutely cool pulled that out of his hinge bio. That's incredible. <laughs> five foot 11 and three quarters because i guess that matters yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) person is your height in your hinge bio in the bio like in the written bio no but there is the little like the bits of demographic information i did forget i did forget that hinge does actually make you put your height weirdly yeah because they have all the things where it's like i am i am you know my pronouns are blank i went to school for this long my job right. is X, and then it's like my height is, you know. Yeah, I did forget that it. My, not to, not to, my, my height is my height is my height is uh, six foot six foot even. Just so everybody knows, everybody knows that. Anyway, I'm not not, not that that means anything. I'm just I'm just putting that out because there. I guess that matters. I guess that matters. I guess that matters. Yeah. Incredible, and I mean, obviously, he would use Hinge because he's a male feminist. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but yeah, but it is he that thing. Talk to like, you know, no, I think Bumble isn't Bumble the most feminine. I don't know anything. That's what they say. That's what yeah, they Bumble say. Bumble is Bumble not the most weird. feminist. One. Yeah, Bumble's oh, yeah. weird. Okay, because in my opinion, as a woman, if you are forcing me to make a move, like I'm, that's I think no. that's really misogynistic. But it, I feel honestly, like Bumble gets built that way. Honestly, that like total sidebar, total sidebar. But like I literally only swipe on women on Bumble because I refuse to make the first attempt and literally I match with a non-binary person um and I just figured if you weren't a man you couldn't match first but like I was like I was like oh that person's cute I wonder if they'll message me and then like it was like this person extended your match and I literally responded to them I'm like I'm like I'm so sorry do you like literally need to be a woman to like message on here first, even if you're on like the queer side of things? And they're like, yeah, like, like I cannot send the first message to anyone. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't that is realize that. So fucking girl boss of Bumble. <laughs> oh, it's so fucked up. Anyway. Um, oh shit. Wow. But I never funny. even like thought about that <laughs> element of Bumble. Yeah. Um, he- hellhole, hell site. Um, oh, they, yeah. they all are. They're all bad. Um, but I, uh, yeah, this is why. I- I prefer to meet people the traditional old-fashioned way, uh, hooking up with my mutuals on twitter.com. There you go. Hell yeah. Good way to do it. Did y'all know that if you could, um, if you could like take Tinder 
and like turn it into a real life, real world location, it would look like the inside of the alien, the alien nest. nest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would. That's what Tinder would look like. It would. Mm. Yes. Um, anyways, back to, anyway. back to Hicks, yeah. uh, male feminist Hicks. Like really though, like he does kind of, he does kind of not have too much of a character other than like decent dude who listens to Ripley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why he lives for so goddamn long. I will say he is the embodiment of a thing that kind of all the soldiers have at the beginning of the of, of the situation, which they're all like, who the fuck is this chick? Like, ah, you know, some civilian on this on this outfit. I hear she's a consultant or whatever that means. But then as soon and it's the thing that really differentiates the soldiers from the company and particularly from Burke, where it's like, okay, these people are like rough and tumble. Like they fuck around with each other. They are all meatheads, but they have no ulterior motives. They are really about just getting shit done. And so when it becomes clear that she actually knows what she's talking about and is an asset to the situation, there is no, you know, Hicks being the embodiment of that, just being like, no, no, no okay, yeah, we believe you. Let's Let's just do this. You know, yeah. that's, you know what you're talking about. Okay, so you're the most important person that, right now. Yeah, and it, it is this weird thing with James Cameron that, and I think, I think part of it might have to do with the fact that he's Canadian or maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm grasping at straws here. But like, it is so interesting to me that all of his films are about how rich people fucking suck and mm-hmm. capitalism is ass. And like, and like all of this stuff is very mm-hmm. bad and like, you know, the only thing that should be important is like taking care of your family and nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. then he fucking loves, like even in the Avatar films where the the military is the bad guy. Yeah. He like really, really loves like, like, cause Jake Sully like learns that through being a Marine, he should not like, like he should not use his powers as a Marine for evil. <laughs> But it's still so much like, but he's got to be a fucking Marine about it, though. Like, even in the sequel, like, so much of his characterization is like, but he's one of those good old boys. Yeah. He was a Marine. He run, runs his family like a, like, a, like a fucking infantry unit. Yeah. Yeah, which is a very interesting thing in a career that is so anti-capitalist. Yeah. At I, least I, in terms of anti-corporate capitalism. I, I was thinking about that, too, watching it this time, because, like, I, fresh off Way of Water. Um, a, a movie in which, like, Caroline, I'll say not just the military, but the United States Marine Corps in particular is the villain. The villain of the movie says the word Semper Fi with all the, like, all the dripping evil of, like, a guy saying, and goodbye, Mr. Bond. Like He you know, makes, yeah, he makes one of the most egregious uh, characters uh, literally wear Oakleys. Yes. <laughs> oh, one yes. of the worst yeah. bad guys has to be wearing oak leaf shades as he goes through the jungles of Pandora with his military unit. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's so fucking funny. The, the only way I can kind of like square it in my, because this movie is not uncritical of the military. It is about how, you know, the, how the Marines are tools of capital, at least in the beginning of the movie until they're like yeah. cut off from their command structure. But like, but then the once way, they're cut off and left to their yeah. own devices, they rule, actually. They rule, yeah. The only way I can think about it in my brain is that, like, Cameron's thing is, like, okay, the Marine Corps fucking sucks, but soldiers are so cool. 
Like in, you know, the yes. structure is bad, but like being an individual soldier and having that, like the camaraderie and the, and the teamwork and the, and the discipline, like that stuff is awesome. And it's like a weird circle to square, but it is, you know. No, I feel like he really kind of leans into like the, um, I don't know, like the only comparison I can really think of is maybe not that great but uh like a kind of a few bad apples type deal thing or like Mm -hmm. oh good individuals in a bad structure that he really seems to lean into that that's like oh well these guys are good and like look at all the the great things and they're just kind of you you know your average everyday people but man is this thing that they're a part of a real fucking joke yeah and in a lot of ways i don't know watching especially once when you you brought up once um they get cut off from their main command center at center how they take over you see the real camaraderie that they have with one another um and i do kind of enjoy that he highlights that uh this even though they the military is this tool of destruction um how i don't know the solidarity that these people do have with each other um, when they are not, when they are fighting for their lives and when they've just kind of been fed to the wolves, or I guess the xenomorphs in this case, um, <laughs> how they will eventually kind of just band together to do what they need to do to get by because everybody else just left them for dead. It's it's almost the other comparison I think of. It's, it's, it's kind of similar to the weird thing where like Michael Bay hates cops, but he loves military guys. Yeah. Like he's just so slavishly devoted to like the idea of, and Michael Bay is more into military guys than Cameron is, but like he just seems to be like really into the idea of, of like, yeah, but the structure, like the the brotherhood, like like that. I don't know. That's the stuff that kind of gets him. Yeah. Uh okay, moving on. Speaking of speaking of brotherhood, uh Bill Paxton is private Hudson. Ugh, RIP. Game over, man. Game over. Game over, man. Game over. Yeah. Okay. I talked about this on our Titanic episode because I always use these two things as references for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm but, so glad we're getting a Titanic reference, finally. Of course. How could we not? Um, yeah. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite screenwriting trick that makes me giggle every time I watch this fucking movie is that... They give Hicks, or not Hicks, Hudson. sorry. Yeah, they give Hudson, they give him the line about, well, maybe it's an alien, maybe it's a queen, maybe yeah. it's like, yeah. it's, and they're like, you stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> That's so dumb. Why would you it's like, it's that? not ants. Like, what are you talking about? Shut uh, the fuck up and like, and hold your gun. Like, do what you're here to do and just like point your gun at things, goddammit. And that, so then- that sets that up in your brain and like you know like subconsciously you know that it's technically a possibility for how this might go down yeah so that when it gets to the alien queen all it has to do is reveal her and you know exactly what the fuck is going on and it makes me so happy and i talk about this too in the titanic episode he like quadruples down on that bit where he has the really annoying beardy guy who like is uh, walking old rows through how the Titanic went down step by step by step by step. So you're like watching this and you're absorbing all this information and you're like, bro, like have some chill. Like you're gonna, like, like she knows what happened. Like she doesn't, you don't need to walk her through this. Yeah, yeah like you asshole. 
But then when they get to the ship sinking, they don't have to explain a single word because you know exactly how it goes down because you've already been told how it's going to go down. And so you just get to watch it. And I love that so much that he does that with Hudson in this movie because like he is the idiot. He is the dummy. He is the just like of all of the people that have screen time, like he is the grunt. Yeah. And so he gets to set up this crucial bit of information for you in a way that's really funny. And it's a, and, it, and it's a nice tension relief moment in the film because like it, it's, it's a nice little comedic bit, but then it is kind of like the key to unlocking like that reveal of the alien queen, which is like one of the coolest fucking moments in this entire movie. Yeah. So good. Um, Okay. Moving on. Well, do you guys have any? Do we have any, have any, any, any oh, I don't have anything. No, no. Um, also, I had not never even thought of that. And then when you said it, it like all clicked. I was like, oh, you played me. Oh, that was smart. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really clever. It's like it's like when um like whenever like I uh, I always use Titanic whenever I uh, would work with students about like writing. I would always use Titanic because I think it's really good. But this is another example too that I always use of just like of just like set up and pay off does not mean you have to have a character look at the screen and be like, if you do this, this will happen and then yep. have it later. It's like, there are really clever, smart ways that you can put information into your film and put it in your audience's brain without having to do the, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I love Christopher Nolan, but without having to do the first 55 minutes of inception where you look where you look Elliot Page in the eye and tell them every single like tell your audience every single rule of this world so that later it all comes down like it all works but I love it it's my favorite fucking thing in this it's not my favorite fucking thing I could say that about everything in this movie but one of my favorite things in this movie is how he is the one who has the idea that maybe it's an alien queen and he's exactly right because as soon as because as soon as you see just the egg come yeah, out of yeah. the tube you don't even see the full creature yet you just see an egg being laid and you go son of a bitch it's a queen you're like fuck it's a queen and then it just gets to pull that camera back and reveal more and more of it and you're like god damn it it's a queen and then it gets all the way out and you're like yep i knew it it was a queen there's a queen do you want to highlight it's another really good thing where in this movie it's we're going to do a thing from the first movie but just like do it plus 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 where so much of the thing in the first movie is them slowly coming to understand the life cycle of the alien of, oh, it's the face hugger and then it's the chest burster and then it grows up and that, you know, and it doesn't necessarily kill people right away. It kind of cat, like all that stuff. And this movie doing the same thing of, okay, well, it wasn't, but how did the, where did the eggs come from? Where did the eggs come from? Like what, you know, what's that? Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Moving on. I'm very excited for this next one. Uh, Lance Henriksen as Bishop. How have uh, we not even mentioned Bishop yet? Very important announcement i want to make madison you're you're probably not familiar with this uh you've probably never heard me say this before but i have a new inductee <laughs> in best friends club into carson's best friends club i'd like to welcome bishop uh, well welcome bishop um i was actually really i really liked bishop's role i don't know there was something that i was kind of like uh not sure how i felt maybe it was um me just like mimicking Ripley's skepticism of Bishop that I was like this guy is gonna fuck him all over I know I know what's gonna happen um definitely subverted my expectations there yeah and like I don't know it's interesting because that that's obviously like something that Cameron is playing with right is like in the first film like 
there's an android. It's her, it's a secret. It's revealed, you know, two thirds of the way through the film that not only is this character evil, it's an android. So like to have Bishop and to have them do the whole like, well, the minute you meet Bishop, it's like, by the way, this is Bishop. He's not a bad guy, but he is an android. It's like, fuck you. I know you're a bad guy. I know you're a bad guy. And for him to be like the nicest person through the whole film. Yeah. Like it, it, it's it's an interesting thing that he's playing with, you know? It's almost like, yeah. And, and it's just that thing of like, I mean, you know, really Aliens is the sequel to Alien. So mm-hmm. like, this is kind of the one where it sets up all the repeating things, but it's like, you even get the second one. It's like, well, there's gotta be a xenomorph. It's gotta be a chest burster. There's yep. gotta be a robot that you're you're unsure whether or not you can trust. And like, mm-hmm. and there's always like, well, are we going to reveal that they're a robot or are mm-hmm. they just going to be a robot? Like every single film has some of these things. And so for him to just be like, that's Bishop. He's a good guy. He's one of us. He's cool, but he is a robot. And like, you still don't mm-hmm. trust him. Yeah. Which is funny. Even after you see the whole, um, the hand, the knife thing. Oh, so good. It's my favorite thing. Was, uh, I felt that when he was screaming, because watching that, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, something really, really bad is about to happen. And then totally fine. Um, It's such a, sorry, go on. I I felt like it was actually a really good setup, even though I was still deeply skeptical upon you know, think back on it. It was a really good setup to show like he cannot harm mm-hmm. any of them. Yeah. yeah. It's it's perfect. It shows you he can't harm a human. He couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it does help you get into the idea of, okay, he cannot harm a human, but he is dangerous. He's got a knife. There's something about this guy that is, you know, a little worrisome. Um, he's very, he is very soft-spoken and very mannered, but also he's got like a wicked sense of humor. Yeah like a really understatedly wicked sense of humor. Uh, it's it's perfect. I love and, Bishop so much. And also though too, is like to complicate this even further, if you do compare it with the first film, it's the person who was the evil android mm-hmm. was the ship's medical officer. Yeah. And what do, what's the whole fucking doctor saying? Do no harm. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, that's the whole thing. And then two, like it's the same thing too like with both ash and with mother in the first one is it's like well they have their orders and like they they won't harm anybody like they're there to take care of the crew until the orders become don't care about the crew anymore and so there is that thing with bishop where it's like it does illuminate that like okay well he can't harm a human being but then as soon as like you never know when he's going to get the order the the crew expendable order you know yeah. you never know when that order is going to yeah. come down and even the fact that he's programmed to not harm a human is undermined by the fact that you know on the last one the doctor was the one who ended up doing the most harm so yeah it's really fun and lance henriksen is great in this he's so good his vibes are perfect uh also i think it it's really good for the development of Ripley's character, her whole arc in this movie, of it, uh, it being, I, 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 I don't say this flippantly, like it, it being about like post-traumatic stress disorder of like, this is about Ripley dealing with, I had this thing that was really, really, really traumatic and it has completely changed my center of gravity as a person mm-hmm. um, such that I cannot live my life the way I would like to. And it is representative of that thing of where somebody will undergo like a great trauma and like a certain type of person will do something to them. And then going forward, there is a, a distrust for that type of person, whether or not it's logical, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a good example of that, of part of Ripley 
overcoming her thing is like learning to trust a robot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's good. It's so good. His vibes are great. I really want, I wish that I could like draw because I want to draw an image of Detective Pikachu on John Wick's shoulders, like shaking his <laughs> hand, welcoming him in. Yeah, to so my who best is, friends. Who is your best friends club? It's Who's Paddington Bear. It's Paddington Bear. Bear. It's Freddy Krueger, John Wick, Detective Pikachu. And Bishop? And Bishop. Is it five? I feel like I'm missing one. I feel like you are too. That's a good best friends club. It's a good club. I love all all my best boys. All my best guys. You need to have some girlfriends. Well, actually, that's actually really funny because I think it's very funny that all of your friends in real life are women and all of your (laughs) your best movie friends are men with bits. It's very true. Yeah. (laughs) Men with recurring comedy bits. Yeah. Men with recurring comedy bits or... Men who are, who are men with sticks, I should. Yeah, say. men with sticks. Yeah, because yeah, I was sticks. thinking, like John Wick doesn't really have a bit. He does have a shtick. His shtick yeah. is that he shoots dudes in the face. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, moving on. Next, moving on. Uh, next on the list. Oh, Jeanette Goldstein as Private Vasquez. Yes, which already talked uh, about it a little bit. But, already talked about her a little bit, and I don't want to get get too far into this because. I'm not really, I'm not really qualified to talk about this, but we are talking about Vasquez and aliens, which means we do have to acknowledge that Jeanette Goldsmith is a white person. Yes. Yep. Jeanette yeah. Goldsmith is, uh, you know, is, um, I be- is not, is not, is not uh, Hispanic, is not of Hispanic descent. So uh, great performance. Oh, Goldstein. Goldstein, excuse me. Or Goldstein. I want to. What are the two? Yeah. yeah. Jeanette Goldstein is a, um, uh, her family is, is primarily Jewish. Uh, she has some Brazilian ancestry. Okay, she is. Brazilian, yeah. But but she is is she she is by by most accounts a white woman. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to say much further than that because uh, I am not. I don't belong to any of those communities except for the white yeah. ones. So moving right along, she's great in this film. Yeah. What an excellent performance. She's got some freaking guns. And then her in arms both, also both senses great. of the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, when they were doing that whole kind of routine, and this, I think that this is when I even wrote the note, like, this movie feels gayer than the last one. When they were kind of doing the routine of, like, moving, you know, with the the guns. Um, I can't mm-hmm. even describe it. But um, I was just like, oh, okay. You're fan service, maybe? No, absolutely. Well, it, it's this whole thing, because I know the sequence you're talking about, mm-hmm. and it's very, um, it's interesting, because mm-hmm. it has the same vibes as, like, Schwarzenegger in Predator, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, look at this beefed up, like, this yeah. oil, like, like, clearly there's, like, there's, like, baby oil on the, on the arms, mm-hmm. you know, like, we're shining the, we're, sh- like, we're lighting it in such a way that you can see every, like, you can see every contour of their bicep, but it's a, it's a small, ostensibly Hispanic woman. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, this isn't the kind of person that normally gets the Greek God, like, mm-hmm. look at how sexy and powerful this person is. And so it feels gay in both. It, it kind of like, for for anybody looking at this, it feels like a little bit gay. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course you had the thing you already Reference Caroline, the like, anybody ever mistake you for a man? Yeah. And, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah, that was the funniest thing. I was like, damn, that shit. Yeah. Writer's room really, really did their due due diligence with that one. Yes. That's like that is such a James Cameron insult though, too. Mm -hmm. Like that is that is the kind of insult like the again, he's so fucking blunt. Like that is such a James Cameron insult. That that is that is it's it's called a punch bitch. Like that's you know, Mm -hmm. God, so good at that kind of stuff. No, I know. Um, I mean, well, it's just it's just that whole thing of just like <laughs> just like you know what's like you know what's really gross and unbecoming and makes you not a man? Disrespecting women. Yeah. James Cameron, like yeah. like freeze frame, sunglasses come down out of the top of your <laughs> like bam, 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 like like just very like meme lord James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Like But it's it's also like he's he's like, hey, you should be a feminist, you fucking pussy bitch. Like that's like he's <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> like he can't not just uh, be such a fucking dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, fun. I, I do think I want to bring up something though with, with Vasquez is that another market, um, a very marked difference, I think, between these two films, something that uh, Caroline and I spent a lot of time talking about when we were talking about Alien, um, is that in Alien, the gender of the characters is by the nature of its writing and then casting something that is incidental that then ends up having meaning in the final mm-hmm. film. It is something that like Ripley being a woman ends up being something that uh, attributes meaning to the film, uh, despite the fact that it's it's incidental. Um, mm-hmm. In this movie, this movie is so much more aware of the gender of its characters. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Something that well, like that interaction really, really signals pretty early in the film. Well, yeah. and one thing I kept wondering too, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and do that uh, like, Twitter discourse of like, oh, is this character, is this queer baiting, is this queer coded, whatever. Um, but one thing I thought was very interesting with Vasquez, of knowing that this film came out in 1986 and Vasquez is in a lot of ways like um, much more like kind of butch seeming. I was like, oh, wow. Like to me, I thought that that was a really cool thing. I don't know too far too much about the dynamics of that time period but I was like wow that was kind of a bold choice I feel like there wasn't a lot of seeing that in a positive light at that time yeah no I think you're right and like I like you know I don't have any uh I don't have any hardcore cultural expertise in this in uh, beyond just having seen a lot of movies yeah. but like it is kind of that thing of like you don't see you don't see that level of um of like literal like physical and like tough strength mm-hmm. in a woman in a film like that that's not at least a joke or a flaw and they yeah. have a they have a little bit of fun at Vasquez's expense but at the but the, it's more the character than the film and she always cops back with something interesting mm-hmm. So like yeah, I I think you're right. Like it does seem, you know, I don't have any hard data on that, but like yeah, it does seem very very. Um, I don't even know if I want to say like radical or like you know super progressive necessarily, but like it does seem very at least different. Yeah. Than what would have been on screen at the time, certainly. There, there is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, even with the, like, the kind of the ribbing that takes place is it almost felt after a minute, because I kind of was a little suspicious. I'm like, oh man, is this just going to be like, just like 
cutting her down the entire time. Um, after a while, it just kind of started to feel like, oh no, this is like how friends talk shit with one another. And 100%. That, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I feel that be, also because she gives it right back to them. Um, and it doesn't seem to, I don't know, linger in these, this joking too much that it felt very much like, oh no, this is camaraderie. Like these are people that they've seen shit. They spend all their time together. So they know that they can talk this level of shit with one another. A hundred percent. And it ends up being too, like, at least of all of the grunts who don't survive the first, like, you know, giant uh, couple of confrontations with the aliens before we get down to like our absolute skeleton crew. Vasquez Mm -hmm. is the most competent of all of them. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you do get, um, you know, you do get both um, Hicks and Hudson who live a little bit longer and like kind of make it through a little bit more of the film, but like, you know, it 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 really is of that first wave where all of the commanding officers go, like all the commanding officers get got and just like so many of them get tear, torn torn down. She is one of the ones who lasts by far the longest. Yeah. So yeah, because like I do feel like a a something that would surprise me a lot less is if there was a character like Vasquez who like had a chip on her shoulder the whole time, but like, oh man, like I'll never be as good as the boys. And like, maybe that's, maybe, you know, maybe most feministly that would have been her arc is like, you know, like the characters that she could never be as good as the boys, but then I guess she does in the end. Or Mm -hmm. like, you know, you have that character who just gets like picked on and torn down by the film the whole time and Mm -hmm. then dies with all the rest of them. But for her to be the character that we have is, is, I would agree, very different and very yeah. like, kind of, kind of pretty radical. It, it's a classic um, archetype too, I think in, in a lot of like war movies, you know, crews of dudes movies where you've got like, one of them's like the grenadier, you know, the person with the big guns who's, who's super tough and steely and like, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, we're going to do that archetype exactly, but it's like a slight Latina woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah like that's and that's and it's and it's not and again it's not a joke it's just it's just kind of a different way of doing it than that would usually be and she's fucking sells it like the performance is yeah. her steeliness is never under question because she's selling it the whole time um all right i do before we get to it i think probably the last character in the shortlist here i do want to shout out al matthews as sergeant Papone, uh because he does wake up out of cry of sleep and immediately put a cigar in his mouth immediately just stomps down. <laughs> oh my God. I was cigar. so in love with that. I was like, damn, I wish that were me. Respect must be paid. Must be yeah. paid. Uh, a bit that, I mean, I have seen this movie multiple times and every time watching it last night, I had to pause the film because I was laughing. So I couldn't stop laughing at the idea of you wake up and just immediately. In the way that um, when Ripley is going into cryo sleep. Yeah. In the way that she goes into cryo sleep with the cat to make sure that mm-hmm. she can keep the cat safe and that the cat will be safe upon her return, he's cradling just just one little cigar sleeve with just one right next to him. So the second he wakes up, he can make sure he's got one. It's incredible. It's perfect. It cannot be a single second in which she's not chewing on. And just every scene he's got, he is the prop usage. The 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 way he's um, he's using the cigar to emote is is incredible incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, final act in the shortlist we got to talk about before we go back to Alan Ripley. Uh, Paul Reiser as Arthur Burke, son of a bitch. That's son, son of a bitch. bitch. You slippery little bastard. 
one of my oh is ellen ripley notwithstanding yeah is he i'm trying to wonder if he's my mvp of the film in terms of just like actor giving a performance because they're all great and another consistent thing with camera movies is it's usually it's the the bad guy has the best performance it is a it's billy zane it's Stephen Lang. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with either of those two, but well, maybe on, not man. the best. I I would not. Billy Zane is not the best performance in Titanic, but he's a great performance. Oh, he's a phenomenal performance. I love Actually, Stephen Lang and Way of Water. I think he's know, so good. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but um, no did you know that Jeanette Goldstein has a role in Titanic? She plays an Irish immigrant mother. Oh, I'm not is she the one that's tucking the kids into bed and? I, I, don't know. I, was, I don't know if she, or if she's in the dancing scene I can't remember what it is but she is in Titanic because in my brain I knew that because she's also she's also the mom in Terminator 2 she's yeah. got like two very small roles in in Cameron's later films mm-hmm. but yes I did know that she was in Titanic I couldn't point you point her out but yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Anyway, sorry. That no, no, no. Yeah, made me like, oh my god, we didn't say this. Um, I, uh, Caroline, I'm saying I don't think I can argue with you because Riser's a bit like the fact that every time I watch this movie, there is a part of the back of my brain of just being like, God, I have every reason to not trust this guy, but like, I don't know, he seems really reasonable. Yeah, and he seems really seems nice. So fucking nice and reasonable. Yeah. So the issue, and this might be revealing a lot of issues about me we don't need to psychoanalyze me right now um this what i picked up on immediately i was like okay first of all corporate guy i kind of like mm-hmm. the base level of like i can't trust him i can't trust him. uh-huh but then he kept calling ripley kiddo oh, and i even wrote a note yeah. that <laughs> the kiddo of adam from girls and then big from Sex in the City of calling the female lead kiddo. And it was really, I was like, in, it was endearing me to him somehow. And I was like, yes, because he's saying kiddo. So, it's, oh. holy shit. The, the Adam and girls comparison is so correct because that is a, every time he says that word in that show, you're like, objectively, this is gross, but for some reason it's endearing. Like what? Yeah, like, why? Like it makes no sense. You are hundred percent correct. Yeah, and I, I've always, I'm kind of like, why? Why does this work? Do I just have some weird, like, I don't know, like complex about this? But like, I, it, it, it kind of does get me to lower my guard, I guess, which is maybe why it's written that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Well, and 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 yes, you're you're totally correct. Like it is, it is written to get you to lower your guard, and he does play it so genuinely. Is yeah. the thing that like pisses me off. About yeah. Oh. Because it would be so easy. I mean, it's literally just like if you rewatch the first Alien, and you know, you know that Ash is bad. Yeah. It's very obvious. It's very late. Like he's not like tipping his hand. Like he's not like doing like he he's not waiting until Ripley walks out of the room to like chew on a cigar and twirl a mustache or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it is that thing where it's like it's like you watch all of his actions and he does not hide for a second that he like is doing what he's doing. He does it sneakily, but he doesn't lie about anything he's doing. 
But with this, he's not lying either. And you almost get the sense that he believes it. You know, like you almost get the sense that like when he's talking to Ripley, it's like, oh man, like I really do feel for you and I really don't want you to get hurt. And I, I, but like, and what he's not saying, he's not saying the fact about like, but we really got to get down on this planet because we got to make all of this fucking money. Yeah. Um, But like he does, like he does have this sincerity to him, which makes, in a way, makes him feel so much more evil. Yeah. Because it's one thing when you're obviously evil. It's one thing when you're a shitty person and you don't care about other people. Mm-hmm. But when you sincerely are like being nice to people and you sincerely like, well, my heart goes out to you, Ripley, and all of that stuff. And it just simply doesn't matter to me if I kill you and Newt. Like that's yeah. like more evil. Yeah. It's, it's just so much kind worse. Of the grimy, um, I don't know. I want middle to like upper management philanthropist type capitalist. Mm-hmm. That that thing of being like, yeah, you know, like, oh, I really care. I really, I like my heart goes out to all of these suffering people. And maybe this is me projecting, because you know, without getting into too much detail, I deal with a lot of disgusting rich people at my job. And so maybe it's just like this, this thing of having worked a lot of corporate events where they're like, oh my God, yeah, we, we need to donate. We need to do all of these things. And like, there's this weird part that they're buying it, but it's like, they're also the source of the problem at the end of the day. They're also going to be feeding a million other people to the wolves in order or throwing them wood chipper necks. So, but yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually now looking at back at my notes about this because I said the the kiddo trifecta thing and the exact the next thing um, I picked up that he had a clear business card which I thought was cool. Cool business uh, card. Yeah, cool I love business. you. Yes, you put it in a slot. And call that's cool. We should have that in real life. Well, and then also I was like American Psycho, the American Psycho scene, but with Burke's clear business card. Um, yeah and I'm just like and now looking back I'm like oh wow that was a little appreciant of you to put to make an American psycho connection there yes no 110 percent yeah it's like I I do think to your point Madison it's very much that like very empty corporate like like well we like we'll do whatever we can to make sure that like you're feeling good and safe and all that fun stuff but it's just like just like well what can you do Oh, well, we can't do anything, but yeah. we will do all that yeah. we can. You it know, Patrick, yeah, it's Patrick Bateman's whole spiel about like, oh, well, who cares about Sri Lanka when we have the death of downtown, the AIDS crisis, um, all of you know, we have to care about mergers and acquisitions, uh, um, all of those things, and he like lists off these this. I, if you remember the scene, um, maybe a little better than I do, where he's listing off at times even conflicting mm-hmm. points of as his whole like but I care and this is and everyone around him all of his like little yuppie friends are they're all like nodding their heads of like yeah we care we those are the things that we care about so deeply yeah and yeah that's kind of just Burke yeah no go ahead oh okay Uh, one of the things that I love about the writing of that character and like over the course of the whole movie is that like he is very disarming and he's very charming and you are charmed by him as Ripley is but it's not as though he is ever hiding his motivation 
He yeah. never, like, he makes it known. He's like, ah, Ripley, I feel for you. But he never says, we're going to go get this alien because you have a hunch about it and we need to do the right thing. It's, we need to go get this alien because it's threatening, you know, it's threatening our colony. You know, he, he, multiple time, yeah, threatening our profits. Exactly. There's multiple times threatening. She's like, we got to blow up from space. And he's like, whoa, 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 a lot of money involved going on here. But like every time he, every time he does something like that, you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this guy's like a capitalist. Like, yeah, of course that's what he cares about, but it never really ruins him for you. You're still like, okay, well, I understand that that's your motivation, but you're still here. You're still engaged in this, in the struggle with these people. You have the same goal. Yeah. I could fix it. You have the same goal fundamentally as us, even if there are these things that you, you also have allegiance to that's getting in the way. But then like the revelation, it's, I think it's really smart anti-capitalist thematics too, is that like the revelation of him betraying Ripley is like, no, all that shit he cared about, that is his true motivation. Like you, I told you my motivation this whole time is profit. And you just didn't take me seriously. You know, if you actually take the profit motive to its logical end conclusion, it is killing people, you know, it's, 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 or letting them die, you know, for the sake of the sake of driving profits up. Yeah. And, and there is that, like that really gross, like disconnect of like, you watch the first film where everything is a corporate order from on Mm -hmm. high. Everything is a corporate order that comes via a telegram that comes to your computer screen that only your captain can access in the one special room. And then you have that opening scene with the boardroom of like these old stuffy white people who don't fucking mm-hmm. listen to you. And they yeah. say, no, go fuck yourself. We don't care. We're losing money. We're losing money. We're losing money. So then like when there is the nice man who like, he's young, he's like about your age. And he's like, look, like, I'm really, really sorry what happened in there. And like, I wish you, you know, I wish they weren't so mean and like, oh gosh, it's so like, it's such a bummer. And yeah, I found some information on your daughter and like, yeah, like, you know, all this stuff, like, and he's being ostensibly nice to you for him to then be the one that's just like, well, I'm going to let two face huggers go in the room with you and knew it because like, I can't have you like, I need to get a specimen back. And it's yeah. like, and, and it's like, we're going to get out of here and we need a specimen. So it's going to be you, baby. Yeah. Sorry, kiddo. yeah sorry, kiddo. No, for real. Sorry, kiddo. Um, and it's like for that to be the person who through no deception prior like is getting to that point it's so much more fucking evil all right because it's it's not like he's a sociopath he's a man with a conscience he's just choosing to yeah to not listen to it you know yeah which is way more evil than you know oh it's great um so that brings us back around I think the way to end our conversation here is to talk about the woman herself, the woman of the hour. Scorny, Sigourney frickin' Weaver. Yeah, the um, the the uh, the eponymous uh, character from which we mm-hmm. get the Sigarilogy. The Sigarilogy is a, a, a real term, a very important in real term. <laughs> that we're starting now. That we're starting now. There are four, yes. there are four alien films in the Sigarilogy. We will be talking about all four of them. And if you, and hey, here's the thing. I... I'm going to say it, and Corey bleep this out because it's foul. If you're one of those people out there who think it's called the. I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I hate. I'm, I'm sorry, Madison, that you had to hear me say Yeah, Carson, that. can you not use that fucking word on that? I'm never going to use it ever again. I, and if, so and, fucking and, foul of you. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it's kind of offensive. Um, I will aware. be canceling you on Twitter for this. <laughs> honestly, Madison, that's thank fair. Thank you for yes-anding. Go on. I'll take it. 
Um, Sigourney Weaver, what a talent. A, a, a Best Actress nomination, well-deserved. She is a freaking firecracker at the center of this thing. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. Uh, just, I, my, I genuinely think my first introduction to Sigourney Weaver, at least the one time where I like formed an actual memory was Holes. And I am so glad that I that I have spanned almost entirely. I think maybe spanned her career, her filmography. Because what a national treasure! She should be our president. I agree, Madison. Have you seen the movie The Ice Storm? No, I have not. Okay, uh, you got to prioritize. Like, sorry, that how one. have you not seen the ice? Have storm, you not seen the ice but, storm? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Okay, I'll I'll come back. <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll do a we'll I'll I'll read I'll I'll redo the ice storm. That's a that's a favorite. We did that one last yeah. year on the show, mm-hmm. and um it 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 quickly became one of my and Corey's favorite films. Yeah. Carson was the one who had already seen it. Yeah, and um yeah, it was uh, it's it's phenomenal. But Carson, go on. Very important Sigourney Weaver content in the ice storm that you do need to see. I just want to want to say that um she is. I mean, obviously, so we talked about it a bit when we were recording over on Patreon and go subscribe to our Patreon and listen to uh, that episode. But it's Sigourney's first film role. Um, The revelation of her being the main character is surprising. And I think the revelation of, oh, this theater actress has just the camera just loves her. Like she is just she holds holds attention at the center of the frame so effortlessly. Um, And she she gives. She gives Ripley in that first movie, I think, a lot more depth than the characters written have. In this movie, she is, as I've said multiple times throughout this podcast, tasked with an entirely different, uh, you know, thing to do, which is, okay, well, now you need to have an arc. Now you need to, you need to show some psychological depth here. Mm -hmm. And she balances the effects of her trauma response and the fact that she is not She's not letting herself fall into victimhood. She is not, you know, she's not like letting that. She st- still has goals that she needs to achieve. And she thinks through those goals in, in, in straightforward ways. You know, she balances those things really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yes. Um, it is a wonderful performance. It is very involved, uh, very informed, like we said, with like the, that notion of PTSD and that notion mm-hmm. of like, um, reacting to something that is so terrible and traumatic, um, and rightfully so. She balances that with, like, not letting, not becoming a kind of, like, emotional wreck yeah. in the face yeah. of things, which she would very, very easily be allowed to be, and I would understand mm-hmm. it. But there is this, like, incredible strength that she finds in this role um that is just really 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 captivating to watch on screen and it like it she lets she lets all of this piss her off mm-hmm. which is something that is really nice to see and i know that this film is you know almost 40 years old at this point but it's still just like nice to see that like she goes through all the stuff in the first film. She comes into this film and she allows it to piss her off. And that's not a, 
it is not a lesson about how she should have been less rough around the edges and maybe she should have listened to maybe she should have listened to uh burke and hudson and hicks and uh just uh, taken care of newt a little bit better it really is like that is her greatest strength her greatest strength is the fact that like people take her for granted and people like are like well i guess you're an expert on these aliens and whatnot but like we're gonna take you down there and proceed to not listen to a goddamn thing you say and like that like the her greatest strength becomes her ability to say fuck you listen to me like i'm the only one who knows we're in an alien movie god damn it (laughs) one thing that i would like to say um actually this may be two things i'd love to say about sigourney weaver first of all she has a pretty you know a strong um theater background and that's one thing i don't know not to get all return but um i do really kind of wish that we hadn't lost that in hollywood that there aren't as many actors in a lot of films now who i feel either have you know some degree of you know theater training whether they were actually on broadway or just had teachers who have that sort of experience because i feel that you know this could be my bias of having gotten my degree in theater, but I do feel that it it lends a lot to her performance. Um, and there's a lot of captivating things that she does just with her body, her energy, her face, everything, her um, the way that she speaks that I don't feel like I have seen a lot of newer actors putting on. Yeah. Or utilizing or even it. I don't even know if they know how to. And it's really disappointing to see that. Yeah. And Madison, just so you know, um, we might have <laughs> mentioned it a little bit up top. Uh, never apologize for your theater background. We're our beautiful All producer, theater Corey, here. Yeah. yeah. Were he here, yeah. there would be six pe- or four people on this podcast and at least six degrees in theater. Madison, I don't know if uh, I, I, I have but the one. Corey and Carson both have two. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're in my camp or in theirs, but there would be at least six theater degrees amongst four people on one podcast. So never, yeah. uh, <laughs> never, never apologize for your background in theater. And yeah, I, I, I do think you're right in like it does give her almost this this thing that I always think about, especially in these two movies, but in all of the Alien movies and really every Sigourney performance is she has this extreme ability to just like to just look at things yeah oh god yeah i and i don't mean like the steven spielberg like looking up at the sky like whoa like thing Mm -hmm. in her eyes she has this ability uh i was thinking about this i think about this in alien when she's talking to ash when she corners ash for the first time in the med bay and then in this when she's um when she's like staring down the alien queen in that like final Mm -hmm. confrontation but also just whenever she's talking to like burke in this too she just has this way of just like looking at something in its totality and just standing there and like letting it hit her and you can see without her kind of emoting anything visually without like doing anything you can feel her processing it so that when she does then move or when she does then speak it feels so motivated in a way that's just like Mm -hmm. uncanny it is really 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 awesome and also there are moments in this and and I do think Madison to your point it does have to do with like a lot of her theater work is girl knows how to hit a fucking pose she's a full body actor (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) I was like, oh, I see you. 
I, mm, I know what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Like girlfriend knows how to like take four steps and plant her feet and be mm. in like the perfect position that both makes sense for what her character is doing. And in a way that just creates a striking image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is also just everything I think I feel about how I have watched her move even um, in these, in these two movies. I just feel that she is somebody, and this is something that comes, I think, from doing a variety of styles of performance of film, TV, um, stage, all those things. The way that she even moves, it's like, oh, you know what is going on around you. And that is informing all of your choices of like how you are looking at things, how you're moving your moving your head, all of those little details. Um, it adds a very you know, a very real element to it. Um, I think it's a really, it's a visual treat for the audience, but I also think it just speaks to her ability as an actor that yeah. she knows what the fuck's up. So. Absolutely. She, she's an actor who can convincingly play an alien teenager in her sixties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Girlfriend in her seventies. In her seventies. In her seventy-three years old. At oh, least when the film damn. came out. I guess I don't actually know when that film wrapped shooting. She might have been in her sixties when the film That's came true. Out. Yeah, well, when she did her scenes. Um but, her performance is incredible. Um I, I wanna I wanna tie all this together with one thing I thought about when I was watching mm-hmm. the movie. The very iconic shot, the the climax of the film, one might say, when she finally defeats the alien queen when she it's a perfect James Cameron setup payoff. Comes out in the walker, says, "Get away from her, you bitch." The way that that scene, like the the rhythm of that that reveal in that scene, is like a little bit longer than I think most films would be. Like that kind of moment, I think usually it's you fully see what's happening. You have the hero pose, and then it's kind of like bum bum line cut to action scene. The way it plays out in Aliens is she's in that walker for like like a five count. She walks for a while and it works, I think, because you like Sigourney Weaver never lets you go. She is she is fully engaged in the scene and looking dead at the camera, seeing the alien queen fully as an actor the entire time. Yeah. No, she has a vice grip on the camera, the audience, everything. And Cameron, I think, wisely makes the decision of, oh, no, like, like linger a little bit more. Take, like, three more steps and then say the line, you know? 100%. Perfect. It's really, really good. Is that, like, one of the greatest moments ever in cinema? <laughs> um, I'll give it to you. I'll yeah, give maybe. it to you. Pop cinema, it, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I like genre action, cinema, action movies? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, another quick little thing. This is the second thing and then I blanked on that I wanted to say about Sigourney Weaver. You know, not to like be objectifying or anything. Absolutely beautiful woman. Mm. Um, and I just, I, I love everything just about her. I think she's incredibly beautiful and has like a very captivating face in a way, once again, that I feel that um, Hollywood's kind of like lost touch with having actors that have interesting faces. And you know, aren't necessarily as Instagramified. Sorry to be a, like a real boomer about all that, but. <laughs> no, yeah. no. 
it's it's, it's very true. I always say uh, it, it's kind of the thing, the thing with Adam Driver, where I'm like, he he is hot in a way that is weird because it's actually not that weird historically. It's just like we don't really let lead, leading men in Hollywood like have weird faces very much mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Even less so with leading women. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's still, like, conventionally attractive by all means. Oh, yeah. But I just think that, you know, she has, like, a lot of features. And I was, uh, it's something I look at a lot when they do close-ups of her, of just what a great face she has. And that, um, especially in Aliens, they make full use of that. And, you know, um, if she were trying to act nowadays, some random guys on Twitter would be calling her mid. So. Ugh. That is, that is the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And they would all, um, what's that have blue check marks next to their names? <laughs> that $8 It makes them an authority. Oh my God. Truly. Hell. Madison, have you gotten on blue sky yet? No. Okay. So let me tell you about my little blue sky thing real quick. First of all, um, I kind of am skeptical of its success because I think blue sky is kind of a dumb name. Um, that being said, I want on Blue Sky simply so I can square away my handle now. I do that on all social medias. Like, I did it on Hive. Hive was, like, a thing for five yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did the same. Yeah, and I got on there just so I could make it, uh, make, like, my username, my handle, and then I dipped, deleted the app. I've never once logged on since. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like I will. I would probably use Truth more than I would use Blue Sky. <laughs> I'll tell you I what. I love making fun of ever, like truth in a weird way, but uh, you is know, who knows? Truth? Are you talking about Truth Social? Truth Social, yeah. Okay. Truthin? Are you Truthin? I I don't I don't I don't follow these things. I or at least I yeah. try not to. No, I will tell you what. For it. I was being the ultimate boomer today, and I was mm-hmm. on Facebook. Whoa! Ugh. Whoa! Right? Horrible! Horrible sentence. And I saw my first my first screen cap of blue sky being shared on facebook from a meme account on facebook today and i was like holy shit i was like we've truly the the snake has not eaten its own tail the snake has somehow eaten its own head with the mouth that is protruding from the head i don't know how it's happened but it has and the snake i don't know it's like a chicken before the egg thing but it's like they're just one like Cronenberg fusion at this point. <laughs> can, can I ask an alternate boomer question? What is yeah. blue sky? What is blue sky? <laughs> no, so blue I was like, oh, it sounds like a weather app. So blue sky <laughs> is Jack Dorsey, OG Twitter CEO. Yeah. Um, made another app that looks and functions exactly like Twitter. Oh my god. Oh my God. And it's currently in, and it's like in its open beta. And that is, that is, I'm sure y'all have seen like at the end of Jack Dorsey's reign as CEO of Twitter, how every time that guy spoke to anyone in public, he looked so fucking hollow and sad. And the way he would talk about Twitter and being at the head of Twitter was, was just that he's like, yes, this is pain. I, I, I've created a monster that I have no control over and it's eating me from the inside. I spend every moment I'm not working on Twitter, like in in a cabin in the woods, meditating, trying to like find some semblance of peace in my life because I've made that an impossibility for myself. And I know that when I die, I will go to hell. And despite that, he got out and he made a new one. 
And it's the Every exact time same I thing. Think I'm out, they pull, they pull me, me right back in. That does not bode well for Caroline's continual attempts to get me back on Twitter, honestly. No, if, no, if Dorsey I, I've given back up. On, Okay, I've, I've I've given up on getting you back on Twitter. I'm waiting to dip myself. Yeah, I just have to. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be blue yeah. sky famous. I'm gonna be blue sky. You know. Yeah. First, I am a little bitter that I have yet to receive a blue sky invite. So I will put that out there. I am biased, but also part of me just kind of feels like let me go down with this ship. Like maybe I'll let Twitter. I will go down with Twitter and hopefully emerge a better person and not get get on any more social media for it we'll see we'll see but then we'll but then see. you won't be able to come on well i mean you'll be more than welcome to come on our <laughs> podcast but how would we how would how would how would we have found you were it not for for twitter so this is true i am also addicted to getting attention so <laughs> i'm sorry I, i'm sorry wait you said you have a you, you said you have a, a theater degree <laughs> i know <laughs> nobody could have ever seen that coming right uh but yeah anything well, else about aliens other than it rules ridiculously hard and it's great and it's perfect and it's wonderful oh, so good no nothing i i don't feel like i've i have any other commentary on it awesome very fair uh, well th- i mean so i guess that is I guess that's aliens. That's aliens. One of one of my favorite movies. It's in my top four on Letterboxd. One of yeah. my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Madison, um, would you like to tell now that we've we've done this huge, uh, not you know unintentional wind up to to where we can find you on social media? But <laughs> do you want to let the folks listening know where they can find you on the internet? Yeah. So you can find me, um, Madison Tate. T-A-Y-T. Um, you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, TikTok. We'll quick note, we don't need to get into all of my Twitter lore. There is an underscore after my handle on Twitter. Not on yes. anything else. Yes. Uh, it if is, you follow it, me, you'll find out all of it eventually. So yes. Well, uh, you were you were, you were railroaded. You were railroaded. Uh, I'll by the Europeans be- and the New York Post. girl and the new york post i cannot i cannot begin to to, uh one day clint eastwood's next film is going to be about you and how you were railroaded by by the mainstream media and by By those european media yeah that's a really good point but yeah, Madison is um is a is a wonderful Twitter follower. I'm sure if you know this podcast, you've at least come across her Twitter. Um, For better or worse. <laughs> yeah, I I you know what we're we're in the same boat. We're in yeah. the exact same. I I don't I don't feel like we don't have to assign judgment to anything because whatever boat you're in, whatever boat I'm in, whatever boat the podcast said, it's all the same boat. And the boat is Titanic. And the boat is the Titanic. And it's also Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It's all a big metaphor. James Cameron's directing this. Uh, well, Madison, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, yeah, so much for coming on the guys. show. Thank you. And thank you for delaying your viewing of Aliens. Yeah. Uh, because you definitely posted about watching Alien a while ago. And I was like, can I have you on my podcast next year if you've never seen Aliens? Because I need to find somebody. Cat. Yep. Got yeah. it. So thank you. Thank you again so, so yeah. much. And um, Corey, do you want to tell the nice people listening where they can find us on the internet? Absolutely. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. 
Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Pod. Special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash HHYNSpod. Awesome. That's great. Person, do a so, pitch for the Cigarillogy. So uh, thank you, Corey. I, I will say we've, we've talked about it before. We just two days ago on our Patreon, HHYNS movies. I'm so bad at remembering names. HHYNS pod on Patreon. Uh, you'll see us. You know our album artwork. It's it's the same. Um, a, a fantastic, I, I say this with, I mean, with the intention of trying to get people to give us money, but also I think all of our best stuff is on our Patreon. I genuinely think the one-two punch of um, Rise of Skywalker in March and Alien in April is, um, I mean, it's a, it's nine of the best hours you're ever going to hear us. <laughs> it's so we, we truly did spend, if you want to hear us talk about uh, Force Awakens and Alien in two episodes, which are longer, significantly longer than the, the films we're talking about. Yeah. Find us at our Patreon. Yeah, no, literally, like, we sat down to do Alien, and most of our Patreon things are about an hour and a half-ish, about 90-ish minutes, and we sat down to do that one, and uh, three hours went by. Yeah. And we kind of had to force ourselves to stop a little bit. Um, Yeah, it was one of those where we're like, okay, it is very late. (laughs) I need to go to sleep. Um, But it was a wonderful episode. Obviously, you just heard. We did Aliens on the main feed. Uh, Patreon uh, next month and the month following. We are going to be finishing out the Cigarillogy. We are going to be talking um, Alien uh, Alien Cubed, as I like to call it, because that is the way that the typeface looked. Um, Third in the Cigarillogy. And then finishing out with a movie that I have never seen. Uh, Alien Requiem. Resurrection. Resurrection. I was thinking of Alien versus Predator Requiem. Alien Resurrection. Um, We're going to be doing that. Uh, We are not talking about Prometheus. We are not talking about Alien Covenant, very pointedly. Um, Yes. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, we move on to our next Patreon series. Uh, That being said, next week. Next week. Uh, and and so here's the deal is typically when we record this part of the episode neither of us know what film we're doing um so we've got to pull up the spreadsheet uh we kind of have to edit around this part a little bit yeah i was thinking in advance and i pulled up the spreadsheet so oh that i would God. know what we're doing oh caroline you're so smart but guess what carson what we still don't know what we're doing why because, oh yeah yeah that was a very genuine why because next week is it's a producer Corey. Every yeah. season Corey gets one. He gets to pick one. And uh that's what we're doing next week. So what let's see what was his one last year? Because it went we're the Millers and then it was very cursed the the double feature. It wasn't it just we're the Millers? Isn't that the only one we've done? No 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 he did another one. Did he? Yeah, probably. Oh, oh <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I thought he only did the one so far. Whatever point being uh next week we're gonna be doing a uh, producer Corey chooses um, he'll choose something um, wonderful for us, I am sure. We will be finding out what it is on mic, so you'll be able to hear that. <laughs> yes. hear, hear that when you listen in. Um, being said, uh, you know, uh, uh, hey, everyone. At, you know, uh, the way we sign out every week, <laughs> game over, man, game over. <laughs>